When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. And that sound in the background that you can hear is Clandidno. Now, now, let's just listen a minute. There you are, you can hear the sea. We're kind of, I suppose we're on location. <laughs> Rather grandly put it this week. Uh, we used to have the, years ago, the Radio 1 Roadshow. They used to go around the seaside towns. Uh, and I suppose that's what I'm doing. Of course, I'm here for the Tour Championship, which is uh, underway. Fantastic tournament and uh, a fantastic venue. Lovely town. Uh, nice to be back. I was here two years ago. Uh, when we thought, of course, that the tournament was going to start, it got called off on the morning and we all had to go home. It was very, very miserable. Uh, cheers, COVID. Uh, of course, the pandemic's not gone away, but we are back. And, uh, yeah, already we've had uh, our first, as I record this, we've had our first match, which was an absolute thriller between John Higgins and Jao Sing Tong, which Higgins won, as you, I'm sure you all know, 10-9 from 8-4 down. And uh, we look forward to a great week here. You know, it's just a, a feeling around the place as you go into the venue that it's a very special tournament it's the most elite tournament because there's only eight players top eight on the one year list it's a tournament everyone wants to get in but as Mark Allen said you know you've not just, once you're here okay it's an achievement but you don't want to make up the numbers it's a, it's, it'd be a big tournament to win someone will win it on Sunday I'm going to go inside now because it's actually <laughs> despite sort of painting this romantic picture it's actually quite cold so I'm going to go inside I shall join you shortly so here we are now. I've left the door open for some background, uh, background colour. Uh, I have a little balcony, but anyway, that's a different story. But uh, no, lovely to be back, be back here. And of course, we're now at the uh, well, the prestige point in the season with the World Championship coming up. The draw has been released for the uh, qualifiers. Uh, so one bright spark managed to get hold of it before everyone else. Um, basically, I mean, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, I know, but basically. The Earl from last year, he just pasted in and changed the year. So he changed 2021 to 2022, and sure enough, there was a qualifying draw. What I would say about that, some of the players are getting a bit up in arms about it, but uh, why should the players have it first anyway? What other sport does that? They don't make the FA Cup draw in secret and ring up Liverpool to say who they've got. They just make the draw. Um, the Crucible draw is made on YouTube. That seems the, w- the way to do it to me. Just make the draw you know, on YouTube. There's this thing called the internet now, which is very popular, I understand, and just make the draw there. Everyone can see it at the same time. But all this business, all we've got to send it to the players. Why? <laughs> There's absolutely no reason why they should have it first. 
Um, doesn't happen in any other sport. You know, the Wimbledon draw is just released. The golf times are posted up, you know, on the internet, and, and that's it. Everyone finds out at the same time. Anyway, we found out, and uh, some interesting matches there. But uh, you know, it's going to be a very dramatic. Um, you know, uh, 10 days. And also, of course, this year the crowds are back. You can buy tickets. So that's going to add to the tension. There's already a lot of tension, uh, already to, uh, to be dealt with there. We should c- congratulate Robert Milkins, of course, um, for winning the Gibraltar Open. Another, uh, well, winner out of nowhere. I mean, he'd, he'd only won three matches. He'd only actually beaten two players all season. Nigel Bond and Louis Heathcote. He'd beaten Bond twice and Heathcote as well. Um, he, you know, he was in the doldrums. We know that uh, in Turkey he kind of disgraced himself, but in general he'd been struggling badly. He'd had some personal issues. So, uh, incredible turnaround. I mean, he's always been a talent. He's always been a terrific talent. Never won a tournament before. Never been in a final. But of course, the, the real subplot that was going on in Gibraltar was this race, a for the Bet Victor European Series bonus, hundred and fifty thousand, and b to get in the Tour Championship, and that definitely afflicted. First Ricky Walden and then Karen Wilson. Ricky Walden, there's no overstatement to say Saturday was the biggest day of his snooker career because he had the chance to guarantee himself at least a quarter of a million pounds. If he'd won the tournament, that was 50. He'd take the bonus as well, so that's 200,000. He'd be in the Tour Championship where the guarantee's 20,000. He'd be at the Crucible as a seed where the guarantee's 20,000. He'd be in the Champion of Champions where this season the guarantee was 12,500. So that's a minimum guarantee of a quarter of a million. He actually left with 6,000. So that was the difference. Of course, lost to Kyron Wilson in the semis. And then uh, we saw, of course, Kyron needing to win the final to get in the Tour Championship. John Higgins was the man who, you know, was uh, potentially going to miss out on both. In the end, he got both. And uh, at the time of recording, he's still in the Tour Championship. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he won the thing now. Just these things seem to happen like that. Of course, Mark Allen and he were tied. Allen lost 4-3 to Robert Milkins and it went on a count back to the event where because they'd been tied in the last couple of events, but the European Masters, John Higgins had gone further. That's why uh, that's why he won it. And I, by the way, I've got no problem with that. I, I don't see why it should be shared. Um, it's it's a bigger story if some if one person wins it. Um, Mark Allen told me the tweet he put up, claiming he thought it was going to be shared, was a joke. I thought it was at the time, um, but uh, a lot of people on Twitter don't get sarcasm. Um, but anyway, John Higgins in the end emerged <laughs> unscathed. Uh, he told me something extraordinary. He said, "Well, Snooker tried to get, get him to sit in the audience for the final." <laughs> yeah, sit in the audience, John. We'll put the camera on you from time to time to see how you're doing. Uh, no, thanks. I'll just go home and watch it on the telly. Although I don't think he actually did that either. He just waited for the results to come in. Got a lot of messages from his fellow players suggesting he might be a bit fortunate. But there we are. John Higgins uh, won the bonus, won the uh, got in the Tour Championship. But Robert Milkins is a ranking event winner. And he was on that list of the best players not to win it. But he'd been sort of, I suppose, sliding down it in recent years. I think there was a general feeling his time had passed. So congratulations to him and uh, the money, you know, he's much needed. He'd only earned about 13 grand all season. So, uh, you know, that's uh, it's a great win. And that tournament, you know, it's not regarded as, you know, one of the biggest on the circuit. But for him, it certainly was. And also the, the genius of having the European series and, and playing the Tour Championship places, it created great drama and put big pressure on particularly Ricky Walden and also Karen Wilson. So anyway, this will be a short edition, I think, this week because, uh, you know, we've got to talk championship you're getting stuck into. By the way, you can count me out of this debate about is it the fourth major and all that because who said there were three majors? You know, up to me, there's a lot of big tournaments um, 
and this is certainly one you speak to any player here and this is one they want to win they regard it as one of the big ones and the players you know they don't necessarily fall into line with this triple crown stuff um, I mean I'm not going to bang on about that again because there'll be people saying you said that two years ago and you have done ever since my position on that is clear it's a mixture of marketing and politics um, you know I've been in the game 25 years I, I can assure you on this subject I know what I'm talking about um, I know why it exists and uh, the fact is the BBC had a fourth major and they dropped it that's when the triple crown group had currency because they got rid of a tournament um, so there was a fourth major they got rid of it but before the pandemic a few years ago when, when was it? Well, two years ago. Um, the, the second biggest tournament in the sport in terms of prize money was the China Open. That's just a fact. Uh, the first prize, the total prize fund, was second only to the World Championship. So uh, you speak to the players, they, they regard the, the, uh, the circuit in terms of majors, they regard the, the, the fact there's more than three, I think. So well, this is the fourth major, you know, who, who said there's only three? And uh, as I've said before, if people want to go along with all that, they're perfectly entitled to because, you know, people like to believe all sorts of things. Doesn't, doesn't mean they're right. But anyway, uh, there's no doubt it's a big tournament and it's growing in stature. It's only the fourth year, but it's only the second year. It's actually had a crowd, of course. Um, Judge Trump <laughs> said he should leave Clandidno and go to... It seems to want a lot of tournaments in London, Judd, uh, and replicate the Masters. But the Masters is a one-off. And one thing about that tournament, it does have its history. Um, it's established... Um, so we'll see. I mean, it may be that you know we're not here next year. We shall see. The calendar, I believe, is going to be released on Thursday for the first half of the season. So we're recording this on Tuesday. I believe on Thursday, World Snooker are going to release the calendar up to Christmas. So we will have some idea of what we're going to be doing and maybe where we're going to be going. But anyway, regardless of all that chat, no doubt at all that the longer matches have come to the fore. Now, we saw this with Higgins against Zhao. Uh, you know, Zhao is a terrific player. But he'd never really been pressed in a long match like that. He'd only won, he'd not played many two-session matches in his career. He'd won six prior to yesterday. And, of course, he'd won them comfortably. Luca Purcell didn't come back at him in the UK final. And Yan Bing Tao, and he beat him 9-0 in the German Masters final. So he'd never really felt that pressure before in a longer match, having held a big lead with someone coming back at him. I think he was ahead against Selby at the Crucible uh, a few years ago. But in the early stage, he's not 8-4. You know, that's, that's a different pressure. And he admitted, uh, he put a little thing on social media, um, that, you know, he had felt it. And he learned from it. He's a very engaging character, Jiang Sing Tong. And, uh, you know, I think he will bounce back from it. He's not the first to, to struggle and he, he won't be the last, certainly. But what we saw was the longer matches definitely coming to the fore. And if you want to uh, hear more about my thoughts on that, my Eurosport column on the website this week, Eurosport.com, uh, explains more. Speaking of Eurosport... Of course, this, the Tour Championship is not part of the Eurosport contract. So there's a lot of people in continental Europe. Of course, in, in the UK, it's on ITV4, all of it live. But in the continental Europe, it's on various different channels. It's not on Eurosport. And some people have told me in their country they can't watch it. And this is a little, and that's a shame. That's a great shame for snooker fans who want to see it. But it's a little bit careful what you wish for. When people have been criticizing Eurosport because, you know, the odd session here and there hasn't been on the linear TV, even though it's been available on digital. You know, you, you're, you can take things for granted, and I think a lot of people have taken Eurosport for granted. Now suddenly the tournament's not on at all because it's not part of the contract. Maybe they're realising how valuable Eurosport actually are. And, as I say, if it's not on linear TV, when the tournament's on Eurosport, it will be available online. So you can see them. And, of course, under the uh, 
Discovery Plus uh, arrangement, you can watch four tables at a time, and that will be the case at the World Qualifying. But it is a shame that people have contacted me from various parts of Europe. Um, it's just not available on the on the platforms. I don't know exactly who it's been sold to. There was a list put up on the World Snooker website, but some people said, actually, in our country, we can't see it, which is a great shame because this is a tournament that deserves to be seen, should be seen, and hopefully that will be uh, that will be sorted out in future years. Now, Brian Campbell writes... I'm going to do the emails now. He said, having just watched Robert Milkins win the Gibraltar Open, in all your years of observing snooker, have you ever known a season like it? Do you feel the same as me, that it's great for the sport to have so many different and perhaps unexpected ranking winners, as it means many fabulous stories for different reasons and prevents the sport becoming predictable? For example, when Milkins had an eventful time at the Turkish Masters a few weeks ago, it's superb that he turned things around and will be remembered for being a first-time winner in the autumn of his career, making all those years of hard work and sacrifice worth it. The season started with Dave Gilbert winning his first ranking title, and then who could forget John Higgins' first frame of the British Open where he made a 147. There have been so many great moments. What have been your favourite moments or tournaments so far? And what's your feeling approaching Sheffield? Will there be one more surprise in store? Or given the nature of the tournament with its long matches, do you think it will be one of the sports elite who will win? Could this be the year Neil Robertson becomes multiple world champion? As ever, your podcast brightens my week, and along with the Talking Snooker podcast, is essential listening for anyone with an interest in the game. Thank you, Brian. A lot, a lot there. I mean, yeah, it has been the most surprising season. I think there's been no real narrative to it other than expect the unexpected, and, and that's happened. You know, I mean, it, Phil Yates was working out the odds for uh, Fang Zhengyi, Joe Perry, and Robert Milkins winning. You know, if you'd have that hat trick, and he reckoned it was literally about twenty million to one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't know anyone who, who had even a pound on it. Um, in terms of, uh, let's just see the questions again. Yeah, great moments, favourite moment or torment. We've actually recorded, the pundits uh, at ITV Sport have recorded a little thing which I imagine will go out during the final, uh, sort of going back over the season. And uh, my favourite moment was at the Masters, and it was the uh, just before the deciding frame of the Mark Williams-John Higgins match when the two... Gladiators entered the arena for one last frame and the audience gave them a spontaneous standing ovation and it seemed to underline two things. One, the respect for what Mark and John have achieved and contributed to snooker over 30 years. And secondly, the importance of crowds and the fact that audiences are happy to be back and we're happy to have them back. That was a wonderful moment, as I say, spontaneous and uh, it really stands out for me during the season. And I actually think the best tournament has been the Masters. I think that, you know, that was just really well staged. When Judd Trump talks about, you know, giving Snooker an uplift, that's his kind of model for an event, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was a terrific tournament, great snooker, uh, some close matches, but just it looked like something for people watching that you want to go to. You know, you think, oh, I'd love to be there. I'll get tickets next year. That's what we won. Maybe not every tournament outside of the Snooker diehards necessarily has that. Uh, will there be a surprise in Sheffield? I mean, it's sort of shaping up that way, but, it, I mean, you're right when you say it's a different tournament, and you, you do still fancy one, one of the established names, whether it will be someone who... I mean, Stuart Bingham, for example, he's won the tournament, so it wouldn't be a massive shock if he won it, but he's not necessarily being tipped. I could still see, though, you know, even someone like, you know, Ali Carter, for example, who's been quiet maybe the last couple of years... Someone qualifying, getting on a run. A qualifier will get on a run, because it always happens. So who's it going to be? Ricky Walden, maybe, will do it, because he's had a great season. I mentioned Gary Wilson just off the top of my head the other week. Someone's going to do that, and it'll be fascinating to see uh, who it is. 
Uh, could this be the year Neil Robertson becomes multi-world champion? Well, I'd love to see that. I'd be delighted if Neil did. He's playing great snooker. Um, the best player this season. But, you know, we, I mean, I'm not going to go over the, the issues that, that we've had at the Crucible with him, uh, you know, because people are probably bored of it. I'm sure he is. But, um, yeah, it would be wonderful if he won it. But, you know, he's got he's to do what he does year-round over potential 16 sessions. And that... Uh, He's not always straightforward. <clears throat> well, let's uh, stay with the World Championship, actually. Emmett Martin from Northern Ireland. First-time emailer, full-time podcast listener here. Uh, I thought that this was the time to contact you as it's coming up to the Crucible. I booked tickets to the World Championship in 2019, and this year I'm looking forward to attending the Crucible for my very first time. Perhaps you and your listeners could advise on what else I need to tick off when visiting the Snooker Kingdom, apart from the Crucible itself... Are there any more local snooker attractions? Where would be a good place to eat? I'm going in completely blind and with only a small amount of time to spend in Sheffield. I want to leave no stone unturned. Who knows, I might even meet the great Dave Hendon in the street and have a gripping debate on the Triple Crown. P.S. Mark Allen for the win. Well, uh, I don't know how many tickets you've uh, you bought because, you know, most of the time you're going to be spending happily in the Crucible. Um... The great thing is the Crucible is right in the centre of, you know, Sheffield City Centre. So all the amenities you would want, you can walk to within minutes. You know, you're right there in the sort of shopping centres and restaurants, pubs, all hotels, all the things you need are around it. And that's the sort of underrated uh, quality of the Crucible. We talk about the intimacy and the history and everything, but actually just having stuff around it is helpful because if there isn't much time between sessions, you want to nip and go somewhere to eat, you know, you don't have to go far. Uh, Mamas and Leonis is the is, is uh, Italian place just up the road. Uh, the Brown Bear Pub has hosted many a journalist over the years. The Graduate is a place that a pub where a lot of people go after after play to digest the, the day's action. Uh, it depends what you're into, but there's loads of restaurants. It's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's you know it's a major city centre. Um, in terms of other snooker attractions, not really. I mean the Crucible is you know where you need to be. You can wander into the, uh, the Winter Gardens there where Hazel and Co will be doing the BBC coverage. But what you'll find is in Tudor Square around the Crucible, there's just a very lively atmosphere. You won't have to go far to bump into another snooker fan. Um, people are talking about it all the time. It, it is, it becomes Snooker City. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not just the, 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 the Crucible atmosphere that makes the, the tournament special. It is actually Sheffield. It's going there at this time of year. Um, that makes it special. So, I hope Emmett that you uh, that you enjoy your trip. Thanks to Wayne Griffiths, uh, of course, ho- coach in Hong Kong. Who uh, we talked about Marco Fu last week, and I wasn't absolutely sure that he was still coming. Well, he is here. He's here. And Wayne said uh, he and uh, Onyi, of course, will be representing Hong Kong. Uh, Onyi's going to play Rory McLeod in the qualifying, and Marco, I believe, has got Ian Burns. So that's an interesting one. And uh, <laughs> Ian would reflect that, uh, you know, he could have had an easier draw than that. But uh, Marco Fu not played uh, in the World Championship for three years, 2019. So look forward to seeing him in uh, in a few, well, late next week, actually. Now, Justin Barnes, fellow journalist. So one of your correspondents was asking about coaching in a podcast a while back, and I've got a couple of recommendations for online help. In January, I decided to start playing again after 25-year retirement and was soon reminded what a beautiful nightmare it can be. I only have time to play two or three hours once a week and have no plans to compete again. At the risk of sounding like Ronnie O'Sullivan in one of his more frustrating interviews, 
I'm just searching for my cue action so I can strike the ball properly and enjoy playing. I found a local club with a recently reclothed match table in a private room and off I went. Note worryingly for the future of the game in the UK, they had recently taken out all the other snooker tables in favour of pool tables and entertainment space, but that's for another story. A coach of, uh, sorry, a couple of YouTube channels have been really helpful in accelerating my improvement. WPSA coach Steve Barton's channel is excellent. He has a pretty extraordinary story. According to his website at the age of 27, his highest break was 37. You wouldn't know it now. He has a lovely smooth cue action and can make centuries with ease. And as a coach, he re- gives really clear, actionable advice and ad- ideas for practice routines. Same goes for Karen Wilson's coach, Barry Stark. He has a simple but brilliant tip on how to grip the cue, which I wish I'd known when I was playing seriously. And Nick Barrow's snooker gym is also worth subscribing to. Nick is a walking encyclopedia of knowledge on snooker technique. For a more light-hearted fair, I also enjoy watching the popular Break From Life channel. The young lad that runs it is a really talented player and engaging presenter, offers some useful tips, and his don't-just-watch-play mantra encouraged me to start playing again. Surprise! You can hear the seagulls there, you see? Yeah, there's background, that's colour, OK? Uh, anyway, surprised that no TV company has yet signed him up to freshen up their snooker coverage. Anyway, with all this virtual help, I've started making the odd century on the lineup again. Still some dross in between times, and my break building and actual frames needs work. But potting consistently, or potting consistency, is coming, and I look forward to playing, which is the main thing for me. So yes, might not be for everyone, but if you can't get to a snooker coach in person, these YouTube channels are worth a look. Thank you, Justin. It's a very good point, actually. You know, we talk about sort of in-person coaching, but these days, uh, you know, YouTube does have a lot of. I mean, Barry Stark is a bit of an internet sensation. Uh, you know, very popular, and yeah, it gives very clear, direct. And good advice, most importantly. And of course, he has been a player himself. But all those, uh, all those people you mentioned are doing uh, are doing fine work. And uh, it's good that you you know you've got your enthusiasm back and you want to play again because really that's half the battle. Um, half the battle is to you know go back and uh, sort of fall in love with it again. And uh, it's good that you've uh, it's good that you've done that. Now then, uh, where are we going to go now? Jake Lloyd. <coughs> Long-time listener, second-time emailer here. I heard on your podcast last week that you had another Oregon listener who wondered if they were the most, if they were the westernmost member of your audience. I wonder if you mind passing my email address over in case he wants to get in touch and have a couple of frames sometime. I also heard mention of the Seattle Snooker Open, which was a fantastic event I was able to go to. I'd recommend dropping into Ox Billiards if anyone gets the chance. It's a fantastic venue and where Judd Trump did an exhibition after his exit from the US Open Pool Championship in September last year. Well, thank you, Jake. Yes, I still have to go back and uh, uh, look at who that was. But yeah, it was, I think it was last week, wasn't it? Uh, so I will uh, I'll look back and I'll pass on your email address and hopefully that will be the start of, uh, well, as they say, a beautiful friendship. Now, Alex, uh, Alex writes, well, he calls himself Max, but he, let's be honest, his name's Alex. He said, uh, my two daft mates, Alex and Dave, I'm guessing he's one of them. He might be both of them, who knows? Uh, he said, I've done a podcast called Snooker Booze and Music. It's a bit homemade, <laughs> aren't they all? But uh, but they're persisting with it. First episode is on SoundCloud and MixCloud. Now, he's sent links, which I obviously can't give you on a podcast, but you can, I'm sure you can search for them on those uh, on those um, offices, Snooker Booze and Music. In other news, I was listening to your How Do You Measure Success podcast from the other year, and I thought it was superb. Beautifully argued and well presented. Credit where it's due. Anyway, I'm off to give Alex and a lesser Dave, some lessons on how to put a podcast together properly. Thank you very much. Well, uh, yes, uh, the What is Success was the name of the 
the podcast episode, and it was uh, based around Michael Holt, who, uh, of course, now is uh, struggling to sell on the tour, um, questioning, you know, had he done enough in his career? And what I was pointing out was it, it depends on how you define success. He's made a living from snooker for nearly 30 years. That's pretty successful uh, by most people's standards. A lot of people couldn't in that time and had to go and do other things. So... Anyway, you can go back and listen to that. I'm not going to revisit all the arguments again, but uh, you can maybe go back and, uh, and listen to that. Now we're going to leave it there. People saying, well, you know, we don't pay our taxes for this. We've been shortchanged. But the truth is, we haven't had any more emails anyway. So, you know, I, uh, I serve at the uh, pleasure of the listeners. I'm back outside now. Uh, it's got a little bit warmer. And uh, one of the great things about the Tour Championship, actually, is... It, it, it's a tournament that has time to breathe, you know, between sessions you get a, a time off. They are like finals. People say that every match of the Masters is like a final, but it's not true, is it? Because every match of the Masters, other than the final, is one session long. But here, best of 19 to a week, it does have that sort of feeling. And, uh, you know, it's not hurried, you're not rushing to get matches done. The matches are not going to finish ridiculously late, one, two in the morning. It's, uh, it's, it's, it is real quality over quantity. Not every tournament could be like this, and I wouldn't advocate every event been over a longer distance either. I think the great thing about Snooker at the moment is we've got a mix of formats, we've got a mix of uh, events, and I quite like some of the shorter formats. I like uh, the sort of, you know, getting matches like a conveyor belt done, but I also think definitely the, the longer matches still have their place, and we'll see that more than anywhere else at the Crucible, uh, well, coming up very soon. I mean, how, how lucky are we to be uh, having this feast of Snooker presented to us? Um, and of course the qualifiers start on Monday so uh, it's pretty much all go and there's two days where the World Championship draw which is a great day in itself and then Cruise Believe that Friday and then we'll be getting stuck in to the main course which is the, the World Championship once again at the Crucible I'm looking out across the sea here uh, there's a long pier heading into the sea the Great Orm as well one of the great landmarks in, these play, in this place so it's not a bad old life uh, the snooker and uh, that's it you can email us snookerscenepodcast at mail.com that's snookerscenepodcast at mail.com and uh, yeah check out the other podcasts uh, on the sports social network we're very proud members etc etc so next week the world championship will be underway and uh, we'll have more to say hopefully keep your comments coming in but for now from Clan Didno on this outside broadcast <laughs> it is goodbye bye Sports Social Podcast Network